Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. We may have been somewhat critical of the football championship on the pod this year, but the matches and then the draws for the following round are coming so thick and fast now, I've almost forgotten the two months of turgid, bloated championship football it took to get this far. Mm. Oh, oh, wow, the Dubs are playing Mayo! <laughs> I love that rivalry. This is a great sport. Welcome to the pod. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, Oda. How are you? God, the Gaelic football is really like, it, there's a shiny thing happening in the very near future. I mean, even the games that I saw yesterday, we could even forget about those already even though they were actually pretty good no we're not forgetting about them we're going to talk about them today but we are going to talk in more detail about the quarterfinals later in the week so you'll be getting plenty of GA coverage has the draw for the quarters made you feel even worse about Galway's elimination because Dublin play Mayo Kerry play Tyrone the other two games look tasty their own ways as well and Galway all our finalists last year Murph so close to winning the whole thing not even in the final eight this year yeah yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's it is a bit of a sickener on. I'm not going to lie to you, but I did have a sinking feeling from the moment Shane Walsh missed that free against Armagh in the last minute uh, uh, last week. That would have uh, put Galway top of their group. Would have given their injuries a bit of time to heal. Uh, would have given them the week off. Mm. Put them straight into the quarterfinals. From the, from the second that happened, uh, and then with grim inevitability, Mayo are in the pot that we could be drawn against. I mean, that was obviously going to happen. I mean, nothing more obvious in the history of anything has ever happened than Gola and Mayo drawing each other. Uh, the fact that home advantage, for all that I shied on about home advantage on this podcast in relation to GA, like, Gola and Mayo is just a joke. Galway always win in Castlebar, Mayo always win in Salt Hill. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is just completely, uh, completely insane. Um, you just can't handle the win there, Murph. Galway, the home team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the wind does make a shite of it, you know. Like, if I mean, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, if you know, if if we just go back to playing these games in Tume, I mean, they're putting, they're replacing the hay barn in Tume Stadium, you know. So anyone who's watched games right. uh, from Tume Stadium uh, will have recognised the fact that this. The I think only I watched stand- you. I think I watched you play in Tume Stadium, didn't I? You were in the stand though. You couldn't see the roof from oh, there. Of course. Okay. So tell me about the roof. That was a well. My it's head. just a gigantic hay barn, basically. Uh, uh, as I heard uh, Jim Kearney describe it at his uh, book launch mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, that describing the stand in Tume as a hay barn does a grave disservice to farmers across <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> because they're actually very proud of their hay barns and they're in much better condition than the yes, stand in Tume. Yeah, yeah. So now they're they're putting the roof back in the stand in Tume. Uh, they're building a new stand in Tume. So I say, Pierce Stadium... It's been great. It's been amazing over the last 15 years, but back to Tube. I, you can see I'm processing things. Oh, I know. You're I, still I'm working through it. I'm, I'm still, working, still working through it. it. I have well. a really, really uh, complicated set of emotions here today, Owen. We'll help you with that process by talking to Michael Murphy and Paul Flynn on the pod today after the entertaining weekend's football that we saw. Making a rare Monday appearance. Possibly their first ever Monday appearance together. I think so. Michael I mean, Murphy and Paul sure, Finn. Yeah. Mm, well, certainly the non-members would have not had many chances to hear the two boys together. So 
you're in for a treat today and our World Service members will get more Gaelic football coverage later in the week secondcaptains.com five or a month plus VAT if you want to sign up just for the championship coverage for the rest of the season that's fine You can. there's no minimum contract so you can cancel as soon as your team is eliminated mm. Again, I always say that, hoping to draw you in. I would rather you stay on past that point. But yeah. you, you, know, you Listen, don't have to. There's no we back ourselves. Once you've given yeah. us, once you've given us the fiver, <laughs> the first fiver, it's up to us then to earn to keep the you further fivers. Listen, yeah, you know, that is we true. embrace that challenge. It's, uh, we've had a lot of reaction to our chat last week with Eddie Dunbar, the Irish cyclist who finished seventh at the Giro Italia recently, but who was also a handy rugby player, part of a team one emailer described as the greatest mini rugby team of all time. You won't be surprised to Big know that shout. that emailer was on the, that team with well, Eddie back in the day in Cork. Owen Lachnan has emailed in to take issue with this. Guys, I love the Eddie Dunbar interview on Wednesday. The reference, however, to Ireland's best mini rugby team piqued my interest. What if I told you an under-10 mini rugby team once took to the field in Burr County Offaly with a future platinum-selling musician PGA Tour golfer, Heineken Cup winner as player and coach and one time Six Nations records point scorer. So there are three players, obviously. That last one is the Heineken Cup winning mm. player and coach who was the one time Six Nations record point scorer along with the PGA Tour golfer and a platinum selling musician all in the same team. See if you can pick them out. He Owen sends on the... I wouldn't have been able to pick any of them out probably. Mm. Mund- you helpfully also... <laughs> yeah, the names were there. So it's yeah. Mundy. Well, I mean, you know, if if Burr County Offaly was mentioned, then I would have gone with Mundy yeah. for the platinum selling musician, to be fair. Richie Coffin. He's a fine big puttock, Mundy, you know? Richie is a former tour golfer, also from Burr. Uh, born in Tullamore, but his residence is Burr County Offaly. Fair enough. So, two locals, but they got, got a hell of a banger in for this tournament <laughs> because for some reason, Ron O'Gara is sitting there in the front row. <laughs> well, a lot of I know a lot of court people do go to Burr County Offaly for their holidays. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that must be what's. I mean, the, the, I mean, they've got the castle there. When I've got great news, I like to pass it on. Uh, what was once the world's largest telescope was in Burr. Is that correct? I think it might be correct. That's actually, it thing. sounds so crazy that even my brain couldn't have, the, couldn't have imagined. Uh, if you want to look it up, there, what yeah. I tell you, my Burr, Burr story. Telescope. Do you remember we went there for a road show back in the day? <sighs> I do indeed. On. We're doing a radio show and before we went on air you had to say a few words to the crowd thank them for coming and so yep. on and I said oh it's just an honour you know when we, we wanted to do our first road show this year we wanted to bring it to the home of the greatest club hurling team mm. in the country you know and then I said but the car broke down on the road to Portumna so just here we are in Unbelievable and when gag. I say <laughs> It did not go down well. <laughs> I'm not even in it. Oh, I was just making. You know what you, you, you think? Yeah, you, yeah. you hit the sweet spot there. Just a little gag. Yeah, yeah. You know they'll be like, oh yeah, very good. Poor Dumb that. But it was more like hmm, I've got the crowd off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Whose bar was it again? It was Brian Wheelan's bar. It was either Brian Whelan or it could have been Pilkington. Somebody was coming up to me like late on in the night and going. That poor Tumnak. Yeah, no, it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, it, wouldn't go there. Didn't like that. It, One it, of these awfully hurting legends was still yeah, unhappy yeah. with it a number of the, hours The later. atmosphere in the, in the pub was kind of, it, it immediately turned into like quite a fractious yeah. GA committee meeting to the extent where I, I, I actually thought someone was going to put their hand up and say, uh, just through the chair can I just say that uh, you know Portumna didn't actually have to win a provincial title so uh, do you know like uh, they were a fine team now there's absolutely no doubt about that but at the end of the day yeah. we had to beat the best to Kilkenny uh, the best of Wexford yeah, yeah. The, and that was just to get out of the province and sure then we had the Munster teams to beat and uh, the Atherite and the Antrim, the Antrim teams at the time they were going great guns so for you to come down here to, through the chair now through, through the chair can I just say for you to come down here and say that now is, Bang very, out of order. very disrespectful. Simon, by the we way, we love the people of Burr. Oh, we do. No, was a, that was a, that was a, that, that was a hell, hell of a, a that was one of the, that was one of my favorite nights. It actually. really was absolutely hilarious. And apparently, they had a pretty good under ten team. Although we have no results emailed in from Owen here. You see, we need to yeah. know did they go and beaten through the tournament? I'm going to guess Ron O'Gara would have helped steer them. Don't know about Mundy. Not sure how good a rugby player or otherwise. Mm. And you could would have been good in the prof- tight though. Yeah, I'd say. if you're a professional golfer, you're. Can you play a bit of rugby? Ah, hand-eye coordination. I'm, I'm yeah. just going to go right ahead and say that's your a hand-eye coordination. Simon also wants to put Scaries under 10s in 1986 into the hopper. I'm trying to do the maths here. I'm going to say Simon might have been on that team. Lancer <laughs> champions and C-point blitz winners. Well, so that's I mean, the double, the rarely spotted <laughs> double of C-point blitz. <laughs> Listen, it, that takes beating. I mean, it, it's medals really at the end of the day. They are the currency that we're dealing with here, you know? All right, let's hear from the boys. Bang to the head. This was given to me by one of these guys. Right here. <coughs> was a hell of a rugby player. And they beat the hell of a black and tan. Black and tan. Black and tan. 
defense of the Realmite! It's the bang to the head. How many times have you mixed bastards been told, eh? Followed by another bang to the head. Anyone wearing orange is not welcome in. Mr. Biden, a quick word for the BBC. They've not put my hand in my pocket since they left. They paid me 500 pounds. BBC, I'm Irish. If any fool wants to pay me 500 pounds to gibber and jabber, I'll take his money. Forget about the weekend's football that we just saw for a second. Just look at the draw for next weekend. Kerry Tyrone, Dublin Mayo, Armagh Monaghan, Derry Cork. Talking, we're talking about this one before we know the days and times, but do you like the look of that, Michael? Yeah, it's just going to keep giving. Uh, this championship that was maybe a slow burner to begin with is absolutely hotting up uh, to, to, to the nines. Ah, never in doubt, Michael, never Listen, in doubt. I'll tell you, your well, Kerry, your, all your Kerry theories are going to be put to the test at the weekend anyway, uh, uh, for, for yeah. better or worse. For, uh, for well, for better, for worse, for for worse or for worse, really, because um, I'll, be cheer, I'll be I'll be cheer, I'll be cheering on Tyrone for the first time ever, I think. Yeah, potentially. Um, but yeah, Tyrone Kerry, um, huge history, and then Mayo Dublin, even more history. So I think they're the two big two big standouts. But on the other side, Mon and Armagh and Derry and Cork, what an opportunity for them, you know. Mm. Um, depending on how draws and all go, there's a huge huge opportunity for them and the. On the other side, but let's face it, the two the two big draws are the are the two the two humdingers, you know. Paul, what's your stand out there? Need I ask? Yeah, you just felt it was coming. It was coming like the Dublin Mayo um, in particular. Uh, and I'm look, I'm glad they that both those fixtures in particular happened at the quarterfinal stage because we may never have got them. You know, anything could happen in, in this round. So uh, at least everyone's treated to them, and it just means that it was going to keep momentum in the championship. Um, but from a Dublin perspective, yeah, it's a tough draw. But there's no game like. Uh, Mayo challenge to to get you up and you know there's been questions about about Dublin's you know consistency or where they're at or loads of loads of different questions um but that's all that'll all be put to bed and these games take a life of their own the the um the juices get flown and uh, they both know one another really well um obviously like you know different managers in particular in, in Mayo um and Desi's new enough to this whole kind of the um rivalry let's say but yeah no it's still there's there's the players all know and they're still the same players a lot of them and then Dublin and Kerry Kerry Tyrone is like and they've met eight times in championship it's four all draw so you know it's just teed up so nicely and yeah the other two are cracking games as well you know nice little bit of biting them um in particular Armagh Monaghan um yeah and Derry and Derry and Cork you know Cork on the on the on crest of a wave so it's actually teed up lovely for, for for this weekend for sure were you impressed Paul with Mayo yesterday at least in the way they dug it out uh, yeah it was like the way they dug it out exactly yeah um particularly in that third quarter of the game like it was disappointing from a goalie perspective that they didn't score in that quarter and even if you extend that on to the the second half the second half of the first half that phase of the game, Galway only get two, only got two points, and they had that win with them, and and then to come out in the second half and st- start so slowly, and then that's matched with uh, the burst of a Mayo uh, performance that we, you know, we see so many times. It was it was Mayo of old that kind of period of time, built on turnovers and then punishing them uh, from deep. So, um, was I impressed with them? Carving it out, absolutely was, you know. Um, but you just can't but feel a sense of um disappointment for for Galway or, or as much disappointed in them as as for them really like you know it just feels like they've ended the season um really really poorly and uh it feels like a I know they're only early enough in their journey it just still feels like it's a hard one to take you know I can't f- see the, the positives in it just yet and I'm sure they'll find them as they do their reviews but at the moment it just looks like it's bleak enough yeah, Michael, uh, obviously uh, massive disappointment from a goal perspective. But at the same time, last week was so careless. And I think that that was the, the, the massive mistake. You know, that there was that whatever about, you know, going toe to toe with Mayo in a preliminary quarterfinal in Salt Hill, that's just going to be chaos. You know, like there's you can however both teams are playing, it's just going to be a mental game. Whereas Armagh, neutral venue, you've got the ball two minutes to go. A draw, do yeah, like goal. Have to, they just have to see it out from the from that position. And the moment they didn't, it became inevitable. There was they were going to draw Mayo, and it became inevitable that it was going to come down to a game of exceptionally small margins. And that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, listen, come here. You know there was 
you know, there's there's two weeks here. You're hundred percent right, Kieran. Like, I mean, if if you're really all Ireland contenders, that the Galway team were were kind of positioned to to uh, like on everybody's lips, you know, in terms of the the top one or two teams, they're up there to hit it. You just get that sense of feeling they were they were positioned there because nobody else was taking the position of of, of favourites, you know. Um, and there was no spectacular performances really all season from them. You didn't really get that vibe from them. And and likewise, they have to go into you're one hundred percent right. They have to go into to 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 Carrick and they have to win that game and and get over the line. But um, listen, they were there for so long in that game yesterday. Um, even at that, even through them poor periods, they they, they you know they they were there and they were knocking on the door. And that's the way they were winning games this year. And that's that's the thing that attracted you to this Galway team is that they were they were not. Um, they were not overly flashy. They were just consistent and they were able to kind of churn things out fairly well. But just yesterday, you mentioned that word chaos. Uh, Mayo just reveling it. And what they brought to that game yesterday was was sheer chaos. And and they have a, an ability to live within that chaos and they have ability to to understand and accept chaos. Um, the decisions to 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 with the, with those those starts uh, um, in the starting fifteen. You know, to put in four four new players into it. You know, Kevin McLaughlin, Jason Doherty. You know, to drop Matty 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 Ruan, to drop their centre back, which they have been, you know, really welded to all year. And Connor Loftus. You know, it was just it was ballsy. You know, it, it was ballsy, and it was like it was like Kevin McStay nearly said, "You know what? I'm going to throw all these lads into chaos because that's where we get that bit of a reaction." Um, and and that's a, certainly what they got yesterday. You know. And and more from in fairness to them, yeah, there was a lot of chaos in the game, and it's you know it's it's it it would be harsh enough not to give them credit for the last score, James Carr's score, because you know I've been critical enough of how they haven't managed out games, how they haven't done exactly what they did in that phase. They looked really comfortable in the ball. There wasn't a moment where you thought they were going to get turned over. There was a couple of times where Galway just about got pressure on them, but they stretched the pitch out. Um, and then when the opportunity arose, they they punched a hole in it, and Carr got to, gets a lovely score in the high presented zone, and that's the mix of chaos and control. And if if McStay can marry the both of those things together, you've got a you've got a, a you know a formidable Mayo because, um, I you know I suppose the last couple of games against against Cork. You question that? Have they got the, the the control element of it? And that's where they should be reviewing this game and saying, yes, we brought the chaos when we needed it, but the control right at the end when we needed that too. And um, I think they'll take a lot from that victory as a result of it. But yeah, um, it's a difficult one for for Galway to take. And look, we all fancy them, you know. And I stand up, stand over them. They're still a good team. It doesn't mean that they turn into a bad team overnight. A couple of bad performances, yes. Um, um, but it's just a long, long period of time now till the season starts again, where they have to kind of review and and dwell on it. You know, what did Mayo do right in that third quarter? Then Michael, the the quarter that that won them the game. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, I had it down. You know that that forty five minutes to fifty five minutes. There was a ten minute spell there where there was two massive scores that really epitomised the the Mayo one, and probably more importantly, the kind of the Galway demise. You know, uh, Jeremy O'Connor getting a huge turnover and absolutely bombarding up the pitch, and Tommy Conroy back there. You know, we know him. He started off the game really well in the corner. You know him as a corner forward, but he was back there. He was being tenacious. He was back there. Really, really hassling Harry and back in defence. And there was two key turnovers where they got that ball and they transitioned that ball straight up the pitch. And eventually they, they led to scores. And to me, I remember looking at it and saying, right, that really epitomised things for it. So, listen, Mayo, what, what did they do? They, they brought that tenacity to, to their defence to stop Galway from scoring. And they absolutely bombarded forward. They kept one five without reply, you know, at the start of that, start of that second half. And it was... Um, Listen, it was it was you know just textbook Mayo being honest. Um, they pushed on the kickout as much as they possibly could too after being absolutely hammered in their own kickout in the first half. Um, but Galway just didn't capitalize enough. I feel in the first half for all the ball that they won from from the Mayo kickout, there was a they didn't capitalize enough in terms of what they could do going forward in that. And again, it was just it was just down to Mayo hanging in there and and again a great goal, Dave McBrien. 
um, you know, bomb forward, full back, uh, lovely one two with Aidan O'Shea, and just you know, slaughtered away. It was a lo- lovely score, but it was um, it was that period. Just yeah, that forty five to fifty five minutes, I thought was a huge moving period for for Mayo, and they seen it out. Paul's right for all that the, the kind of what we're throwing at them in terms of that lacking of composure. They showed a hell of a lot of that to close that game out, uh, and that that score that, of, of James Carr that Paul alluded to again. They held that ball in the 45. You're saying, is this Galway Press going to come? It did come. It did come in small bits, maybe not a huge bit. But Mayo showed huge composure to work that ball, to hold it for the couple of minutes and to, to get forward and get that get that, get that that one to score, you know. Galway had so many issues, I thought, Paul, with Sean Kelly not seeming fit, really. I'm sure he wouldn't have played if, if it wasn't a, a straight knockout at that stage, I'm guessing. Obviously, Comer had come off at half time, And really, he... he was their key forward, it turns out, because I don't know what the story is with Shane Welsh. We alluded to it last week, his lack of form. He's just a shadow of the player he was last year. I don't know if you have any idea why that is. Obviously, there was the, the transfer saga over the winter. He's he's had the big, long season with Croaks and then away in Australia, which Porrick Joyce wasn't overly happy about. I heard Welsh talk about this before. He kind of had to persuade him, listen, I'm going, I'd really like to go. And that's that. I don't, I don't know if that all plays into it or why you think he just did not perform this season or on the day yesterday. Yeah, well, I'm Walsh. Like, I think I've always found it. I thought he seems. I know he wasn't perfect last week, and he missed that last free. But I thought he. There were parts of his game that were a bit better. Again, yesterday he was. It was. He really didn't have the impact that that goal he needed. Now we're close to the performances he was putting in last year, where he's dominating games, and particularly on his own patch, his home patch. You know, you would have thought that this would have been a game where he would have stamped his mark on us. Things have changed since I played, and even since you've played, Murph, in relation to the season and the structure of it, right? So it's hard to kind of look, mess, um, compare like with like. But what I would say is, I never was able to hit the pitch of it when I missed the block of work that was done at the start of the year. I used to cod myself when I was getting older in my career that I could ease off the hard runs in January because the body, you know, wasn't able for it or whatever like that. But then you just don't hit the same levels when you get to the, the 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 business end of the season. You need to get that bank of work done. There's no hiding from the from putting in the yards. And if he's over in Australia, in particular, it's more condensed now, so it's even more important that you get that work done because there's no gaps in the season where you can catch up. You're going straight into games, and you don't really get that conditioning in. Uh, conditioning in. Um, so that's one element of it, but that's only physical. Psychologically too, I'm not, I just you'd wonder how all in he was. You know, um, Morph mentioned last week that he 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 was a unique personality. Don't really know him that well in relation to how he prepares and stuff like that. But any season that we had back to back, where you know you're trying to keep up that intensity, um, it's a, it's challenging. You have to make you have to make sure that you don't get distracted. Um, and there were a couple of distractions with the Kilmacud sag and stuff like that that would have fed into it. The other thing is that the competition in the squad, you know, we talk about the squad, they did build a squad this year, but, you know, keeping that competition is what will um, keep the performance of your top players at the highest level. So um, I think go, we need to, you know, be aware of that for next year. Comer's injury is unfortunate, but he is susceptible to injuries and um, the format of the championship is always going to be a struggle for him. So, yeah, look, a couple of um, tough injuries there, but you just have to live with them and get on with it, and that's what the panels are all about. So I don't think they can... I think they still had enough opportunities yesterday to um, put themselves in a better position going into it because playing down there against that wind, like, it is a game of two halves. Anytime I've ever played there with that with that wind, like, it's just so extraordinarily hard to score and against it. So um, it was always going to have an impact um, on the way the game panned out. Just a quick word, Michael, on the free-taking, right? Um, because I'm looking at Shane Walsh and, you know, it, it kind of becomes, you know, when he's playing well, he just can't miss off the freeze. And when he's playing badly, then it that manifests itself in the freeze. Is free-taking, in your experience, a mirror of your form in open play? Because it does differ from individual to individual. I'm looking at, say, Tony Kelly and Claire in the hurling, where he almost needs to be on the freeze. So that even though he's not a brilliant free-taker, he kind of revels in the responsibility of it and he ends up offering more from play when he's on the freeze, even if he misses the odd one or two, than he does when he's taken off the freeze. So I'm just... Looking at him yesterday, there was like... You know, last year he was over a free, you're like, this is going over. Like, the guy just didn't miss. And for whatever reason this year, his form dipped and his free-taking then also dipped. Yeah, listen, and you know, technically, you know, I, I keep 
mesmerized by him, you know, technically from from training up close to them. There's just nothing I've I've seen like it on a, on, a, on a training ground. But listen, I, I think it's 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 a lot of it is psychological with him, and I suppose with with anybody really. Being brutally honest, um, you know, yesterday's game, he struggled to get into the game from play, and sometimes as a free taker, when you struggle to get into the game from play, and you get an opportunity for free. Yeah, there's so much riding on it. You say, mm. right, this is my opportunity to get back into this game. And where it becomes a a normal free, it actually becomes an absolute, you know, a huge, huge thing. And you, and you build it up in your own head as an opportunity for you to get into it, to press up in the next kick out and, and for you to get back into the game. Um, And it doesn't become your just normal routine, your normal way. And he did, he did strike one really, really good one, but there was a couple of poor ones in the first half, one from play. Um and just 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 that you weren't expecting them and I just get this feeling with with Shane Walsh too I suppose that we're looking at the All Ireland performance and we're just we're we're hitting we're we're, we're mirroring everything off that performance mm-hmm. if you know what I mean and we're matching against that and we need to probably try and find his normal performance <laughs> yeah. somewhere somewhere maybe just a little bit a step down from that um but listen there's no doubt it's disappointing brilliant point from paul in terms of that pre-season block could not agree anything more you just have to be there you have to be there hitting it and 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 and, and dogging it out i suppose essentially to build up that confidence to build up that kind of that that base as, as such for, for for them for them summer games because it's there's there's no way he's in bad shape. He's in really really good shape, but just psychologically, you need to be there and you need to be around and and listen whether you like it or not. A lot of Galway season rides in the form of of Shane Walsh. It's proven it last year and it's probably proven it again this year on the negative side. You know, Michael, what about Cork? You both of you called for more consistency from them. The Mayo win was great, obviously, but they need to start doing it back to back. So they got it done against Roscommon. They did, they did, um, and it was like it was like you were looking at both sides, and and just that resilience that that I didn't see in this Cork side uh, was shown in abundance. There was resilience, there was hunger to to keep at it, to keep going. The goal was an absolute crucial score. Um, uh, Connor Carr, but a really really good press from Cork as they've been doing probably all year on the opposition kickout, and again they they, they capitalised on that and pushed forward. So listen, it was great to see. It was great to see it down in Parky Quay. We're waiting on this big. You know, Cork push for the last number of years, and they they, they flourished on it. Um, and again, you know, you can't help likewise in terms of saying really well done, Cork, like we're saying really really well done, Mayo. Uh, you can't help but feel Roscommon in terms of Jakers. You know, really really leaving it behind. Um, you know that that kind of hot ball or fouling the ball. I think it was a it was a harsh call technically at the time. I probably had very very little sympathy probably for the player in question. You're like just move the ball, but I think technically it wasn't. Uh, it, it it essentially wasn't wasn't a free kick. And just but, on that, um, Michael, for people who might not have seen it, it was, so Roscommon were doing what they sometimes do. They were trying. It was level. It was very late on. They were trying to play the ball around and and take as much time out of the clock as possible before trying to score the winning score. But I think it was Connor Daly was caught for. Essentially hopping the ball up to himself. I guess a double hop is that what you call? I don't even know what you call it, but there's not a huge amount of sympathy it's, for. Yeah, it's a throw. It, he basically he threw it to himself. So a bounce is supposed to be where you drop the ball. Yeah. Whereas so if you drop the ball, as you have to drop the ball onto your foot to kick it. So that's that can't be a foul. But he did kind of throw it up in the air a little, and it bounced. So it, then. It, even if it went, if, even if it travelled four inches upwards and then fell, yeah. then apparently it's a foul on the ball. I mean, I, I haven't seen any like absolute clarity on that but I, I also haven't seen too much sympathy for Roscommon no. in this particular <laughs> absolutely no sympathy context, whatsoever yeah. unfortunately yeah 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 you, lo- you listen you, you live and die a bit but you know there are some huge car performances again Rory Maguire I know he wears three in his back and I know he came in with a bit of cr- criticism last week in terms of that that Mayo game you know in terms of the, maybe the strike to the, to, the, to the top of the head but I thought he was absolutely immense that, that last day out and, and again they'll be absolutely you know humming going into that Derry game Derry gave them a Big drubbing in the league in one of the latter stages of the league games uh, in Division Two, the down in Parky Cueve, um this year. So as I say, it's going to be a huge game for them. But but what an opportunity for them four teams! I can't say it enough for Monaghan, Armagh, Derry, Cork, an absolutely huge opportunity in terms of semi final and depending on how the draw goes, potential final. Paul on Cork, impressed. 
Yeah, very impressed again. And look, it's the it's the attitude. You know, I know you can you can you can tactically analyze things all you want, right? But if you've got a group of guys who are uh, a unit, um, who have got an attitude about them, a bit of character, and you can go a long way, you know, and um, you can undo um, other systems of play just by sheer will you know and so like i think that's the one thing that comes to mind when i see this cork team and it's something that we probably wouldn't have always seen in them so that's serious credit to the group of players as much as to the management that they because you have to keep going there right that's all right if you can get that for one game but to actually keep going back to the well and fighting for every ball like if you watch powder you watch brian driscoll the work right there putting in but powder running back towards his own goal like he he sprints back you know and he dislodges the ball and he gets a hand on and that just means every time you're on the ball as a common player or whoever you're playing against, you always have to be just trying to move it on. You're conscious that you're under pressure every time. They, they, I'd love to see the repeated sprint ability. That's one of the stats that you will get from the GPS on the Cork lads because whatever about the yards you put in, it's all about the, 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 the sprint, that intensity. And that, that, that to me is just telling from Cork. Even Paul, right, do, right, right, right at the end, just after that free was given and Michael thinks it might have been soft, it was notable that the Cork players immediately, their thought was to bomb on then, to, to take the free and all to go forward, which is almost the opposite of what you see with a lot of teams. Exactly. But that's what, they, they nearly gave up the game, on because they decided to go away from that for the period. I felt they got in the lead too early and that they had a 10-minute period where they're like, hey, we don't usually get in the lead this this time. We, we usually leave it to the last couple of minutes and we just close it out. You, if you watch back that period of play, they all sat back and they didn't bring that intensity. They didn't burst forward. They tried to hold on to the ball and they were fluting around with it. And um, Mio Martin got caught with it at one stage. And you were just saying, these are going to mess this up because they've actually got to the front too early. Um, but they just, and then when they got the score, uh, Corbett's goal, it, it was, or maybe it was the, one of the points after that, actually. It, then they just brought that energy again. They brought the energy. When it went back to a draw, I think it was, um, they just need to realise in their own review that that's what they have to bring, right? That, it, they can't let off on that. Um, when you're going into a dairy game, you'd be just a little bit worried about where the scores are going to come from, right? You know, that's the only thing with, with Cork. They've got a lot of them been coming from deep. Okay, Sherlock got a few. If Hurley's back, he'll add something. But, you know, like, Derry won't cough up as much ball. You know, they're very, very efficient with their use of the ball. They'll put it dead um, and they'll pin Cork in on their kickouts. So, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like, look, they've done great to get here, but I, I need to just think about it a little bit longer, but I'm not sure how confident I would be about them against Derry. That's, that's for sure. I don't think it's a great matchup, Paul, for, for Cork. Do you know? I just, I, I you know, they, they played really, really well at the weekend, uh, having played really, really well against Mayo, but I just feel like, you know, in ways, even Dublin would have been a better draw for Cork than Derry, I think. You know, Derry are just so organised so efficient on the ball I just I have a feeling that's that that's going to be a bridge too far for them yeah look again you, you'd, you'd be a fool to, to um, write them off the way they're the way they're going and you know you can't be a bit of a buzz in the camp but just when I think tactically about how they could break them down like they didn't they they're, they're when Ross Common got their players back they found it difficult to find holes like they're a team that want to hurt you on the counter and that's okay, but when the team don't cough up the ball or spill up the ball, um, where the score is going to come from? And they're your, they're your experienced team. You know, they, they'll, they'll be able to, uh, their scramble defense will be good. Even if they turn over the ball, they have good shape. Murph, what do you think? Yeah, l- listen, I suppose the, the one thing that I see with Cork that I'm, that I'm, that I'm attracted to, I suppose, in some way, and I know it's maybe it's a non-attractive thing to say, is they're probably better without the ball than they are with it. You know, there's a bit of an organization without the ball that you can probably pin your hat on and say, right, they can they can give that. And it's, it's such a good building block to have. Uh, but I agree with what, what you're saying, probably with the ball, trying to see them, um, how they're going to, you know, pierce holes in, in, in that dairy defense, uh, I'm, I'm unsure. And systematically, dairy will be... You know, the Cork will know. You, you can basically, we can all spell out what Derry's going to do now here as it was up here ahead of the weekend. But trying to do something about it is is a different story because consistently they will bring it over the whole 70 minutes. So, yeah, listen, I, I think it's down to Derry and what they bring uh, and where they, they see themselves in that one. Um, but listen, you know, 
Cork up in Crow Park, who, who knows? But I think it's more in, 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 in hope rather than any logic, I suppose, is, is what we're saying there in that one, you know. Tyrone are starting to rumble, Paul. Do you think Michael's new favourite county are well set now for the Kerry game? <laughs> Uh, Michael has yeah, just left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think we're all waiting for this to happen. You know, I just look every time. You know, Murph, um Kieran Murphy, um, you haven't got any. Um, you don't give Tyrone any credit for the All Ireland they won a couple of years ago. You know, so you don't really rate this team. But um, as a player who played against them for years. I always hated playing Tyrone, right? And we always held them in such a high regard. And partly because when we broke onto the scene and when our first All-Ireland, it was Tyrone who were the team we had to be. So it was a bit of a legacy there, but still, I always rated them. And um, and this team have all the ingredients. Like, you know, they've got the, the, the quality players, they've got the management who've set them up for an All-Ireland before, they've got the experience, they all that kind of stuff. Um, but this is the first performance this year that we've seen that kind of all of it nearly coming together to a certain degree. And it was a consistent performance for them. It wasn't patchy. It was like each quarter of the game, they put in a good shift. You've got the scores up top. You know, the two Canavans are in form. McCurry back, clipping points. Um, Matty Donnelly as well coming in with three points, which is huge, right? He's been brilliant over the last number of games. Um, their midfield are two units. We've mentioned this before, and they just had a big shift again on the weekend. McGeary, player of the year, had a great game. His best game he's had probably all season the other day. And Myler are their two kind of transition players who will help with the defensive structure, but also get the ball forward. And then at the back then, they've got Hamsey and McNamee, you know, and then you've got McKeon who's going to be clipping, clipping points. So when you pull it all together, you know, and Morgan and the Nets, like they have a fantastic team, you know. And even the other day, I was looking at some of the stats in their performance. They had 36 attacks, okay. And out of the 36 attacks, they created 32 shots. That's a phenomenal return. That's, it says something about Donegal's defences. They're not getting turnovers, but it's really efficient. That's 90% of every um, possession you have, you create a scoring opportunity. Always with Tyrone, it's about can they, can they clip them over the bar, right? How efficient are they from the shots? And they had 19 scores. That's 59%, 60%. So you want to win All-Ireland, you need to be up in that to above 70. It's the only little tiny area of, of, of um, opportunity for them, 11 wides they kicked. So, but that's still positive for them. They always have a, have a low enough stat in that number. I think that's um, it's telling for them. Last point on them is it's that... Um, a lot of the scores came from turnovers. So they've got that bite back. They've got that bit of attitude to go win the ball and then transition quickly. Um, the energy and attitude. So, yeah, look, really, really good performance from Tyrone, um, which tees up next weekend beautifully against Kerry. I should say that I do give them some credit. I just give them less credit for their All-Ireland than any other team in the last 30 years. Yeah, so, so, Softest All-Ireland so, in the last 30 years. I think it might so have I been. do give them some credit. Just Stand uh, just, over your comments. Yeah, well, yeah, no, listen, exactly. I, right, I, have, Paul, I absolutely right. am. I absolutely am standing over it. Uh, even though I am getting a little nervous. Uh, but Derek <laughs> Adovan, we didn't get a chance really to talk about it. We only mentioned it briefly uh, yesterday, er, last week, Michael. Uh, but there was one point, and I, I, I've mentioned this uh, YouTube clip a number of times on this show, and Shag it on, I'm going to do it again. Mm. There is uh, a YouTube, about maybe like five or six minutes, of Peter Canavan's best uh, points for Errigal Kieran, right? And I will urge, once again, our listeners to go watch this, because it is the most mesmerizingly brilliant uh, display of point kicking you'll ever see. It's, it's mind-bogglingly good, right? But that point that Derek Canavan got... Uh, it was in the second half where he gets the ball. He's just about to be pushed out over the line. Somehow manages to keep himself and the ball uh, in play. Then cuts back inside and kicks it over on his left. It was like, it, it was like looking at his dad. He is unbelievably good, and I think he does. To be fair, revolutionise this Toronto team. And Rory is obviously a, like an exceptional footballer as well. And we will see in over the coming years just how good he can be as well. But I do actually think that Derek Hanavan, two years further down the line, playing as well as he is currently, like, does elevate this Toronto team, uh, like, a lot. He is that good. Yeah, listen, totally agree. There, there was chatting in, in the kind of round Ulster circles, as we might call it, for for the last number of years around the, the Canavans, you know, I suppose, and you were waiting for them to come, and I was waiting and waiting, and Dara's probably been under around the squad the last probably... yeah. 
hand passing, no, 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 you know, no, getting on the ball and hand passing it to a guy in a slightly better position and doing all the right things, yeah. but like not exploding to the extent that he has this season. Correct, and not really gra- grabbing a starting position too that that you were waiting and mm-hmm. hoping for. But there was a, there was a first half of the Monaghan Tyrone game this year uh, in Healy Park in the, in the Ulster Championship we're up at, and he was on a on on a next level. But um, again, he's just showing glimpses. I've watched him the last two weekends, and he is is the real deal, and he has the traits of the father, and he has the traits that we've seen on that video clip. I've watched that numerous times. It's like yes. a yes, a this young, is the first time I've ever mentioned it to someone who has also seen uh, the YouTube clip. Excellent. Uh, it's like uh, like like some like a young person in the playground who's who's just too good that he yeah. basically. His scores, he can take probably three solos of the ball and three bounces. He can take six touches and go into contact and come out of contact and just roll around. And that, that score in particular at the, at the weekend where, where Mark Curran nearly first forced him out over the sideline and he cut it on his left foot and skied the ball in there and it dropped over the crossbar. It was it was just a beautiful score. And he does. And I kind of asked Matty Donnelly afterwards, we were there and I was asking them about the two Canavans, you know, because I do agree with you that they they have brought something different before. When we would have played Tyrone, you would get your matchups on even McCurry, and you would get your matchups on McShane, and you would get your matchups back to Stephen O'Neill or McAllister, whoever it was. These two lads bring something different. You don't know whether you put a kind of a, a quick person, a strong person. The particular matchup that you're looking for on, on Derek Canavan is a hard one to probably get. Um, and you know he has confidence, now he has swagger, and now he has basically give me the ball kind of mentality. And Tyrone know that too. Against Westmeath um, last week in particular, you could see the experienced heads uh, of Myler. You could see the experienced head of, of Donnelly. Um, Hampsey, when he came forward, they wanted to get the ball to Derek mm-hmm. Canavan. It was so him. obvious. Yeah, it yeah. was so, so obvious. Um, and it's basically like they're saying you're going to drag us to wherever we needed to be dragged here. Um, and again, there was elements of that the last day, but it was there was more support, as Paul alluded to. Matt, Matty Donnelly getting forward, kicking scores. Rory Canavan nipping in uh, with, with, with a couple of scores. And then, uh, you know, Darren McCurry, really, really consistent uh, again in terms of his performance. But listen, Donegal were poor. Um, I did pains me to, to to say it it was back to probably the performances as we've become accustomed to all year um and it's just just horrible to say never got to the pitch of it never pressed on it the whole game was just on Tyrone's terms even when Donegal went to try and chase the game they were just unable to chase it unable to press it unable to to hit at anything and and they were just they were they were well off the pace well, the, um, was that inevitable do you think Michael given the year that they've had manager leaving just a couple of months ago turmoil outside so much going on was it always going to end like this do you think maybe inevitable logically when you put it that way and you stack up the X's and O's but but not against your rivals Tyrone you 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 muster something from something on you, you know, you you just, you know, no matter what, you just, you, you have to grab something from, from, from somewhere. And, and there was just none of that there, you know, there was a couple of kind of mistimed tackles and Connor Mailer at the start of the second half, but it was, you know, a, not a nice, it just wasn't a good way. You just have to muster something from something against yeah. Tyrone. And, and yeah, there was probably an inevitability if you were to stack up their performances all year, it was probably going to result in something like this, but but it's just hard to, to, to muster it against against her own, you know. Paul, Malachy Clerkin wrote in the Irish Times say that Monaghan have won two games in the last minute of injury time in the Championship this year and drew a game against Derry with a late score as well. It was Kildare the latest to, to feel these effects. They certainly know how to eke out wins anyway. I think more if you said it on the coverage, actually, it was like if you if you do this once, you know, um, you can call it a, um, a coincidence, but they just keep on... Just, Every time you write them off, or every time they look like they're gone, they just they, they just do not have a never say die attitude. Uh, and Vinnie Corey needs to take a lot of credit for for this. Like he's done a really good job with this Monaghan team. Remember back to the fact that like they were struggling to get a manager, you know, and it was there was rumors of a couple of potentials happening, and then they didn't happen. And um, so he's got in, and he's done a really really good job. And they're all playing for him, you know. You can tell by that, like like. I, I just love um what they've done with Carl O'Connell, you know, um and he's he's thirty six years of age or thirty five years of age and like he's been one of their best players all season. You know, we've seen it in the game, same game Murph talks about in Tyrone, he was, um he came on that day, drove driven driving forward. 
And then just to see him diving on that ball at the end, but that was only just the, the final act of what was a fantastic performance. Um, it was as tight as they come. Like, Kildare were well in that game. Ben McCormick going off after clipping four beauties in the first half was big, you know. Um, and then you think about the goal opportunity that they had, and then it falls to Flynn, and he, he, he hits it wide. So that game could have went either way. Like, you know, I'd say Kildare will be, will be licking their wounds, but... It's just that Monaghan, you know, to get in this attitude um, that, that got them over the line. And, and the quality, too, to get them over the line. But, um, yeah, credit, absolute credit to, to Curry for, for, for uh, the job he's done there. If you're Kildare, though, Michael, you're absolutely sick. I mean, they did so much. They, probably, they did so much right, although it's kind of hard to give them too much credit for it, given the fact that they lost the game. But they turned over Monaghan so often. They created so many goal chances. They did lose Ben McCormick, to be fair, which was a blow. But, I mean, you're still w- sitting at home wondering, I'm sure, this morning, how the hell are we... How did we lose that game? Yeah, listen, you know, we'll, we'll speak about Kildare now, soul focus without maybe going to going to Monaghan. And you are right. You're, you're looking at them and you're saying, my God, I'm mighty. you did so much right defensively. They were solid. You know, I liked their setup. They got men behind the ball. They, they, they crowded out Monaghan. They turned them over. They were well done. The key, I felt, was the goal chances. They had numerous goal chances, three, four, five goal chances, and they didn't take them. Um, and I think that was a huge, huge point for them. Um, and you were looking for a, a secondary forward performance other than and other than McCormick. And, you know, didn't get that from Flynn, didn't get it from Kerwin, just didn't get it from enough of their forwards that, that we needed to. But yeah, listen, for the, for the, the season that they had and watched them numerous times throughout the National League and I thought, I don't know where this Kildare team are going. I, thought, I keep on, I can't get out of my head today in Newbridge against Derry with, when they played them and it was one of the worst National League performances I've seen from, from a team ever and they were they were looking like they were going to salvage something from this season. Uh, we were looking for that consistency. We've seen a glimmer of it against Dublin. We were like, where did this performance come from? Um, but again, just that consistency piece we just didn't see and and inevitably probably rest his head towards the end of the game. But just when there was key battles to be won at that end of the game, and I think there was a Paul said there about the, the you know the, the ball breaking and Carl O'Connell diving on it. There was just that bit of grittiness from Monaghan that that I just don't see in this Kildare team. And it's one of the, the bits that I just don't really like about the, the, the team that I don't think that they're going to get to that next level unless they can kind of showcase that and and, and numerous positions that I just don't see, you know. Tottenham Cup final looks like it could be a good one in fairness down against Meath. Absolutely bizarre stuff in that semi-final, the down leash one. As I don't know if any of you have ever played in a team that have conceded eight goals, but it looked from, you know, from the third or fourth one that the leash lads are just out in their feet, whether it's physical or psychological. Probably a bit of both once a... Listen, I know from our performances in the Fair Play Cup yesterday, it can be a bit demoralising. You know, we've all been in these situations. <laughs> a couple of early goals, so yeah, yeah. let's not throw stones. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at that level, it's just amazing to see the goals just rain in like that, Paul. Yeah, um, I only seen this late because I was, I was um, in there for the Mead and Antrim game and I tried to get out to see the other game, uh, Goy and um, Mayo. But um, the early goals killed them. You know, you always felt that if Down got on top early, that they could kill off any whatever uh, bit of fight that Leash were going to bring. You know, there's a, there's it, going into this game, you were, you were, it was clear that if Down performed and Leash performed, there was Down were going to win, right? Like I was, you know, it was one of the, it was the one game that you felt that they were there was a gap in, between, and um, they're a team like Murph said last week that are just doing all the right things. They've got a management team that any county in the country would be envy, envious of. <clears throat> and now they've got players of quality. The half forward line alone getting six goals. I don't think you've ever heard that. Like if you get six points, if you get a couple of points, if you have forward line these days, you're happy. But they got six goals. Liam Kerr gets a hat-trick as well. Like so, um, But they do. They've got pace. They've got power. And they've an organisation now. And they'll be happy with this. And I know it's obvious that they're going to be happy with this, right? They've scored 8-16. But they didn't. They're going into the Mead game now. With, like that, that was a belter in Parnell Park a couple of weeks back, and um, Mead came out on top by one. But Down kicked seventeen wides that day. They were if they were like they, apparently because of the Mead pressure, but a lot of it was wasteful. It was an incredibly, games, it was an incredibly bad performance up front by Down that day. Like it was unbelievable. Some of the wides they kicked in that game. 
Yeah, and um, but since then they like the last day out they put in a big score, and this is a big score. So they're the clinical edge, you know. They'll be they'll be um, taking the positive from that leash. It's just uh, it's a hard one to take, you know. I've we got a hammering against Mead back in whatever it was. Um, got a hammering against um, Tyrone and Crow Park. I've got a hammering against Kerry and Crow Park. And when the season's over after a hammering like that, it's just horrific because you know you can't get back on the horse the next week and you're just dying for club games to start so you can just forget about it but it is it's just it's a tough place to be down down equal goals they have an absolute knack they're a strong strong running side who carry the ball and when they're playing at their best they've always equal goals you think of a a team of James McCartans you know when you watch James McCartan playing he was like a little dynamo who carried and ran the ball and ran the ball himself and Mickey London and just down have that kind of swagger about them where they just carry that ball. So inevitably, this kind of performance, I was waiting to kind of see all year from them where they were going to score goals. They scored a lot of them in the National League. They conceded a lot too. Um, but they just have that knack and ability to go for goals um, and aid them up. And you just felt that was kind of coming all year, really. The championship, it's it's truly alive now, lads. Big week coming up. Thanks so much for today. Great stuff. Thanks, man. Thanks, boys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I went in to get a little bit of tube for to try and fix a streamer in a motor factors. Right? So it's a very interesting day. Everyone should go to the Motor Factors on a Friday afternoon when it's sunny. <laughs> so I went to the bloke that normally fixed your mower or streamer, and he said, look, go down to the Motor Factors bloke down the road. Get now with the car. And the bloke stops me, and I, I recognise him. I knew he was one of the Root family. They were great boxes at that time. And then another bloke was, uh, and he Pat Dunn, he's a counsellor for, you know, something, Solidarity Ireland or something. And he, uh, he's giving me an earful about something I said in the telly. I, I went in to get a little bit of tube. And then I went in to get the ass that fell over the bit of tube. And anyway, and I, I looks around and there's Jerry Duff. Duffer's dad. <laughs> so it was a very interesting day. Everyone should, everyone should go to the motor factories on a Friday afternoon when it's sunny. That's the most Brian Kerr story, by the way, you're, you're ever going to hear. Oh, so true. Very true. Brian Kerr's Ulysses. Um... <laughs> so, yeah, it's just up for a match. He said, watching the Chelsea the dog. Peter Canavan Scores for Club is the title of the video, if you're looking for it online. Very simple title. Murph, you've won me over. I'm just, I've am just i literally just watched the first point here. Yeah, that's all you need. It's an absolute bog of a pitch, midwinter. Yeah. <laughs> ball is hopping along. He gathers it as he's being thrown to the ground, gets up, throws an elbow at your man. Yeah. Peter Canavan could handle himself. Honestly, that is a vital part of all of this as well. <laughs> just, just boom, elbow back to him. Steps another lad who rugby tackles him at the same time as another fella comes in to slide tackle him. So it's kind of like the, the chop tackle with a slide and a mm. rugby tackle at the same time. Gets up again, 
steps another guy. I think it was one of the maybe the first one he beat. Yeah. He's, he's he came back deciding. for a bit more. He yeah. came back for another he's looking, Oh, that's yeah. the fella who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go around you and then slots it over. That's all I need to see. I've I mean, the the, he's he's literally pushed in the back as he's kicking. He's flying through the air. He's completely off the ground as he kicks the ball, which I don't even know is possible. Actually, it's not possible. Uh, so he's he's on the ground as he's watching the ball sail over the bar. It's honestly, you've never seen balance like it. You've never seen uh, like two-footedness, ba- oh, coordination, everything. It's just insane. Like, just go and watch this fucking thing. Michael Will Murphy, you, if it's good enough for Michael Murphy, it's good enough yeah, for, just, you, for I you. I love the idea of me and Michael Murphy, Manny, hundreds of miles apart, but just like absentmindedly on a Wednesday. Ah, I'm just going to watch it again. <laughs> Fuck it. Like, it's brilliant. It's and just so good. Let's wrap up a couple of loose strings here, Carol. The Great Telescope of Burr. Yeah. Uh, In the early 1840s, the third Earl of Ross designed and built the largest telescope in the world. With this telescope, he discovered the spiral nature of some of the galaxies. And from 1845 to 1914, anyone wishing to witness this phenomenon had to come to Burr. (laughs) (laughs) So you you could go around the world, but if you want to see the spiral nature of some of the galaxies... You've got to go got to Burr. to go to Burr as the poster used yep. to trumpet. Yeah. Love it. That's a, that's, that's a hell of there a factoid. You Your sporting Sunday could have been rescued if Leona Maguire or Stephanie Meadow had gotten over the line at the PGA, USPGA. It's been quite happy. Yeah, like a genuinely uh, unbelievable moment in Irish women's golf. There were, ha, there were weather warnings kind of throughout and the, there was a two-hour delay in the middle of the round. Uh, there, so the, that's why there were groups of three rather than the usual um, groups of mm-hmm. two uh, in the final round. So we had this this unbelievable scenario where there were two Irish golfers in the final group of a women's major. We've obviously never had a, a, a major champion in the women's game. Leona held a one-shot lead going into the final round. Uh, it was a fairly stacked leaderboard and Leona just didn't, like her round just didn't take off at all. In the end, she finished three over um, and kind of well out of the running. And, you know, even in the last... Actually, it was one of those situations where the weather delay was, it was actually brilliant because I was like, okay, this is actually the perfect opportunity now for Leona to just Mm. forget about everything that had happened and it could just be the thing that that she'll look back on and say, God, I got the chance to experience, this is slipping away from me, but then I also got a two-hour break in the middle of it to be actually like, okay, I may never be in a better position, let's just go for this. So it didn't happen. Whereas Stephanie Meadow played really solidly solidly throughout the uh, tournament, and on the 18th tee, an eagle would have, and you know, in the end, the eventual winner uh, birdied the last. Uh, and if she had just parred that, then Stephanie Meadow would have been going down the 18th uh, looking for a birdie on a par five that was actually reachable in two. Uh, as it was, she drove, uh, she hit a brilliant drive down the 18th and then just like completely flubbed her second shot. So she needed the second shot to get on the green to give herself. Uh, a putt to to force a playoff just completely flubbed her second shot uh, then actually put it very close to the flag with her third uh, and I was really hoping that she birdied that hole to kind of even try and exercise a little bit the demons of the second shot in the end she didn't yeah. but it's still an unbelievable performance to finish third uh, and, in, and um, to have the two the two of them the two in of the them final together. group yeah yeah and you know Leona has obviously been trending in the right direction she's won on the LPGA Tour she won last week on the LPGA Tour so there, I think there may have been an element of exhaustion uh, you know yesterday that she just couldn't keep going back to the well and her she just didn't have the game yesterday um, whereas Stephanie has obviously had a, a far more modest career on the LPGA like her best her best finish on the LPGA Tour was in the Women's US Open in I think 2014 or something um, so yeah it was you know Leona we come to, we've come to expect to be performing at this level for Stephanie Meadow it was a huge moment for her career and hopefully something that'll like reignite it but yeah just you know Galway lose Fair play cup, we lose, we more, don't score a yeah. goal. Well, yeah, more, more on that in more the on football that and on. today, yeah. I just I, I was just really hoping that the sporting gods would, you know, just give me something. But oh, well, I thank you for be. turning up for work today, Murph. Well, listen on. It's you know, sometimes you gotta just you gotta just suck it up, you know. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to sign up now for the rest of the championship coverage. You can hear all the episodes ad free. The second captain's podcast is part of the ACAST Creator, Creator Network. Network. Don't forget whether you're an astronomy fan or not, you've got to go to Burr. What phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 